As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. What's the break-even points for each of the three asset classes and where it's going to lead if we hit the recession tomorrow? And Because, you know, everyone is talking about this recession, but no one can predict. There is no Nostradamus in the room that can tell us whether the recession is going to happen tomorrow or three or five years from now. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Alina Trigub. How you doing, Alina? Doing great, Joe. Thank you. Thanks. I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, looking forward to our conversation and a little bit about Alina. She is the founder and managing partner of Samo Financial, which is a boutique private equity firm. She's helped clients get into over 1,200 doors on multifamily, over 500 storage units, and into a $10 million mobile home park fund. She's based in New York City. So with that being said, Alina, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. So as Joe mentioned, I help clients get into the commercial real estate by passively investing with us. I started out my career as a tax accountant in the big four environment with Ernst & Young. And later on, I switched to technology world and became a liaison between business and technology professions. This field made me realize that we are, for the most part, working with other people. So if you want to achieve anything in this world, having a full understanding of how the relationship gets established and maintained is absolutely essential for success. So with that in mind and with a personal problem to solve, which was to diversify out of Wall Street, I started my journey of finding a way out of the stock market. This has been my concern for many, many years and partially because I'm a former tax accountant, so I always think about taxes. And I have seen a number of significant stock market crashes in my lifetime and some of the smaller stock market crashes as well. So my main concern was always 
to find a way to conserve the wealth and then find a way to save on taxes. Real estate has been on my mind for many, many years. And finally, I decided to give it a try and I started conducting an extensive research, which led me to bigger pockets, which in turn led me to find syndications. So I started about five to six years ago as an equity partner in someone else's deals. And over time, I realized the value and the conservatives of this strategy, not only that it allowed to preserve wealth, it also allowed to save on taxes. And in addition to that, it was giving me residual income. So out of this business idea was born, I decided to start my own company whose mission would be to strictly help other investors to preserve their wealth and to build passive income by utilizing the tax saving strategies. So that's my main concentration today, working with investors, helping them select the appropriate investment based on their needs, based on their interests, whether they want to diversify, invest in one commercial real estate asset class or the other, and help them understand the tax consequences without giving them advice, just explaining them what I know, what I've seen based on my personal experience with the industry overall. So you've helped your investors get into a lot of different opportunities. Are you in all those opportunities, the same ones that your clients are in? I am. So I imagine that you've seen some ups and downs on projects. Tell us about a project that didn't go according to plan. Sure. So I've seen a project where we started out really well, but then about a year or so into the project, we get a notice from the general partners. And I was LP in this project saying that there was apparently a big hole behind the apartment complex and the tenants started using that hole as their garbage dump. So they started dumping garbage. And unfortunately, the people that noticed that garbage pile were not the property management company, but rather the town. And the town imposed a really big fine on the property. And in turn, that fine would be a burden for the investors. So the uh, deal sponsors has hired the uh, legal team to fight against the town to lower the fine or get rid of it altogether. While they couldn't get rid of it altogether, they were able to lower it by almost half. Even with that, it was still a pretty big burden. So the dividends weren't paid to investors for few quarters and they had to bear the legal costs in addition to paying the fine to town. So that was kind of a challenge and disappointment. You remember how much the fine was? No, but it was in hundred thousands of dollars. It was pretty big. Dang. So it's one thing to be fined that for people dumping garbage into a hole on the property. It's another to have a city official discover it and not the property management team discover it. So did you or anyone to your knowledge ask the general partner why they didn't discover this or their on-site staff discover it first? Yeah, the, the question did come up. We didn't get a clear answer and obviously they weren't happy with what the property management company was doing overall. And after a little while, after the fine was paid off and this was settled, they decided to sell the property altogether. So the property was sold and it was all more or less hushed out, but they did not give us a clear answer as to why the property management didn't notice this. Anything that you took away from that experience that you applied to future deals or future general partners that you partnered with? Absolutely. 
when I talk to future partners that I partner with and people that I know that I'm in business with now, I always ask them about the property management company they have, the relationship they establish with the property management and their interview process, what kind of questions they ask the property management company, whether they stay on top, not only the regional managers, but also the managers that are in charge of each specific property, what kind of follow-ups are done and what kind of reports they're getting from the property management to make sure that they're staying on top of things within the property itself. What are some good answers and bad answers to those questions? So the good answers, yes, we get weekly meetings with the property management company and they give us weekly updates. And we travel to the property either every month or at least every other month. The bad answers is, oh, yeah, they send us periodic reports. We look at those reports and sometimes we talk to them once a month. To me, that's a red flag. You should be on top of property management company and be in touch with them every single week, if not more often than that. And do you recommend to your investors that they go check out the properties before investing in them? I offer it to them. It's not my recommendation. And these days with Google Earth, they can see the property themselves virtually. And actually, the investors that are local to the property sometimes do decide to take a trip and take a look at the property. But if it's outside of their immediate area, if it requires a flight, most of them don't really want to go. But yeah, I always tell them that it's open. If you would like to go join the deal sponsors, take a look at the property, then the option is there. So you're in a lot of doors and units and you got multifamily, self-storage and mobile home. Of those three, which one was the hardest to gain a firm grasp on in order to be comfortable to not only invest your own money, but also recommend it to others? I don't know if one or the other was the hardest one, but I would say naturally I started with multifamily because for me personally, it was close to home. I could relate to the asset class. I lived in an apartment building at some point in my life for a very long time, so I could understand it much better than the other two classes. I knew what the apartment buildings were about and what to expect from them. I understand the difference between different neighborhoods. I lived in Brooklyn for a very long time, and I've seen drastic changes when you literally cross the street from one block to another. So I can relate and understand the difference between going, say, from D-plus area to C-plus area is a huge difference and, and so forth. But over time, and after speaking with a number of my investors, they realized that there is a need to help them to diversify further, not just stick to multifamily and go into multiple markets, but also go into other asset classes. So naturally, I started doing research and looking into other asset classes, which other asset classes we can add to our portfolio. And by being a former accountant, I'm very conservative by nature. So I wanted to find something that would be conservative enough to sustain any recessions if we had any. So started looking into storages was the first one, I believe. And again, I've done research. I talked to people that have been investing in storages, asked them what is it about that asset class that they like. And some of the things that I was told is that most people, when they downsize and downsizing normally happens again during the sessions when people want to go from a large house into a small, say, apartment, they don't want to get rid of their stuff. They want to store it because they think that it's a temporary thing. They're going to store it for a couple of years and then come back to and buy another house. And that in the most cases never happens. They put their junk, dump it in the storage and let it be there for a very long time. 
So it makes this asset very profitable, especially during recession time. And they continue keeping it in the storage because the rent is not as significant as for the apartments. It's a much smaller amount and they just continue keeping the junk because they never want to get rid of it and it stays in storage for a very long time. And I would say a similar concept of being a more of a conservative asset class applies to the mobile home park. So what I found with mobile home parks is we all have this preconceived notion that the mobile home park, it's this dilapidated building that's going to collapse when the next wind blows its way. But it's not that anymore. There are mobile home parks that from outside look like regular homes, but they just a lot more condensed, a lot more small, and they are built specifically for people that are looking for affordable living. They want to live in a good, decent area. These are good working folks, but they cannot afford the high prices of, say, Arizona, where the rents are astronomical. So they go rent or even buy this mobile home park so they can live there with their kids and kids can potentially go into decent schools. And that allows them to stay in a decent community. And again, if you find tenants like that, that they'll stay with you for a very long time, especially when the mobile homes are owned by the tenants because they don't want to pay the price of moving their mobile home from one location to another. To them, it's a lot more expensive to move than just to stick to the same location and maybe pay a small increase in rent for the land that they're paying. What's the disadvantage of each of those three? So the disadvantage of multifamily is, I guess it's dependent on the location, depending where it's located. Say you're looking at the DE area, while it could be a good income source, it's going to be very labor intensive. You have to constantly stay on top of either your property manager or if you're self-managing, then you have to stay on top of the tenants all the time. It's very hard to manage the property when it's really bad location. When it comes to storages, again, storages could be hit or miss depending, again, where it's located and depending where we are in the economy. Like I mentioned, if the economy is doing well and people are buying larger houses, then again, the demand for storage may be not as significant as during the downturns. So that may impact the storage as a class altogether. With mobile homes, Again, the age of the mobile homes has a significant impact on them. If the mobile homes are much older and require a lot of maintenance, then obviously the park doesn't want to own them and the tenants will not be as prone to buy them because it's an older home and it'll require a lot of work. So they will only look at the homes that are probably newer or have been built, let's say, in the last say, 20 to 30 years. So that's a disadvantage of the home is much older. And out of the three, you have three similar projects that you're presented tomorrow. You have the equity for one of those three. How do you decide which of the three to do? So in addition to looking at the asset classes, I look at such things as the deal sponsor. What is the track record of the deal sponsor? How long have they been around? Have they gone through at least a cycle or more? Outside of the deal sponsor, I 
also look at the deal itself. Where is it located? For instance, if we take multifamily, the multifamily as an asset class, it needs to have the infrastructure in place. I'm going to look whether there is a major airport in the area. Does it have colleges and the universities in the area? Are there shopping centers nearby? Is the highway easily accessible? What is the job industry doing? Are the jobs coming into the area? Are the people coming to fill in those jobs. So in other words, how high is the demand and what's the typical vacancy for the area? If all of those components add up, then that's the asset class to compare. And then I go to the next asset class and look at pretty much the same things. What is the demand and what is the break-even point? That's another component that I need to look at. What's the break-even points for each of the three asset classes and where it's going to lead if we hit the recession tomorrow? And Because, you know, everyone is talking about this recession, but no one can predict. There's no Nostradamus in the room that can tell us whether the recession is going to happen tomorrow or three or five years from now. So we need to find ways to mitigate the risks and be able to sustain that poor economy if it happens and make sure that the asset that we're buying is still cash flow and people can bet on appreciation, but I personally don't want to bet on appreciation for myself or my investors. So my main goal is to make sure that based on the analysis, the asset will continue to cash flow and the investors will continue to be paid even if we're going through recession however many years it is and then we can come out and sell it. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice would be to educate in yourself prior to taking action. I think it's extremely important to understand what are you doing and how you're approaching the business. And in my case, all in syndication. So I think it's absolutely critical for myself and for others who want to learn about syndications to educate themselves, learn the business first before taking any action. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Well, then absolutely, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above, and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. Best ever book you've recently read? The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Best ever deal you've done? It was a deal where I invested as an equity partner after about a year in a deal. We got at least half of our principal back and the dividends were above the expectations. So it's been phenomenal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Our very first investment that my husband and I did, we bought a property without doing the proper due diligence. Basically, our friends went in and bought the property. It was around Philly area. And we just followed that trend. We went ahead, uh, went with this realtor and bought property in the same area. And it was an absolute disaster. We had to sell it at a loss. We had everything from people breaking in to drugs to stolen pipes. You name it. Best ever way you like to give back? So I volunteer by educating kids in underserved communities. And there are plenty of such places in New Jersey. 
I've done lectures to these kids on career aspirations, higher education, importance, personal development. And I just love to see the sparkles in these kids' eyes when I say something that touches their trigger points. It's very rewarding. I also like to give back through the bigger pockets. It's a great community. And I've learned a lot by asking other people questions. And now I'm trying to give back by answering other people's questions. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Through my website, it's samofinancial.com. My phone number is there, or they can find me on any social media, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Alina, and talking about the different types of asset classes that you invest in, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, the pros as you see for each of those, as well as a disadvantage or a potential disadvantage for each of those three. And then talking about the cautionary tale for the one syndication that you're in where residents were dumping garbage in a big hole in the town, found it before the manager imposed a fine, well into a six-figure fine, which did hurt the distributions and delay them for a period of time. That specific scenario I haven't come across. So it's always good to hear what could go wrong so that as operators, we know to be proactive and continue to be on site and make sure we're checking out the grounds so that we proactively address those types of things. And then it's also good for a passive investor, any limited partners who are listening. There are some pretty esoteric things that could come up on a deal where you don't receive the distributions that you were projected. And here is one of them. I don't imagine a town finding a general partner because there is garbage being dumped in a hole happens very often across the United States. I think that's a pretty unique scenario, but there are all sorts of those types of scenarios that could come up. And that's the point. So thanks so much for being on the show, Alina. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me, Joe. Great to be here. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.